Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we talk a little NFC South. Guys, do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Blue Chew, that's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants that extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. For instance, you know, a lot of guys talk a big game, but if you're a one-and-done kind of guy, Blue Chew can even help you get to round number two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for all our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code locked on. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B L U E chew.com, promo code locked on, L O C K E D O N, to try Blue Chew for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Forfeit the game before somebody else takes you out of the frame. Put your name to shame, cover up your face. You can't run the race, the pace is too fast, you just won't last. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast brought to you in part by Peloton. Right now, Peloton has a limited time offer. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to OnePeloton.com. That's O-N-E-P-L-O-T-O-N.com. Use promo code LOCKED to get started. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can check out everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. David, what an exciting game for the Bucks today. Woo-woo. <laughs> it was a bye week. There's no game. Yeah, there was a bye week. There was no game. Uh, I watched uh, minimal football uh for those i i am friends david with a few of our listeners on facebook so some of those guys knew that i had to take my son to his first ever hockey game this morning as in the first one he's ever played in and not only was it one game it was a four game tournament where we had to get up at 5 45 this morning and be out the door by 10 after 6 to get there on time yeah that's true so yeah it was uh he played in the first two games of the tournament. Then they had a little break, had another game, and then they had an hour break before their final game, which kind of sucked. Yeah, the kids kind of got out of it. Some of the kids ate, became a little lethargic. Their tummies mm. were full. But overall, it was a it was a fun day. So my my football watching has been minimal. I've been in and out of uh, of dad naps all day. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna talk. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit of NFC South because there were some. Obviously, some other teams from the NFC South that were involved in the games on Sunday. Panthers were off, Bucks were off, and uh, David, 
The Falcons continue to be as bad as the New Orleans Saints are good. Yes, that's a, that's an accurate assessment. What are give me give me your odds right now? What are the uh, odds that Dirk Cutter becomes the interim head coach of the Atlanta Falcons when Dan Quinn is inevitably fired? If if they fire Dan Quinn in season, which I don't know the Falcons history, but Arthur Blank has got a really good reputation across the league. I don't think that's something they'll do, but you know, I, I could be wrong. Um, they're, they're, their seasons, like they're not salvaging their season. Like it's not like no. they're in contention for a playoff spot or could possibly salvage a playoff spot. So firing their coach might motivate the troops and yada, yada, yada. So I don't, there's really no benefit to firing Dan Quinn other than I guess getting an early announcement on the job opening for everybody. But there's no, like, there's no Bruce Arians at a network right now. That's looking to get back into coaching. Like Bill Cowher doesn't want to get back into coaching so on and so forth. So I don't know. Uh, I know like urban Meyer's name has been thrown around for Washington. Maybe he wants to go to the Falcons, but, but he'll be there if he wants to go to the NFL or if, you know, Harbaugh wants to come back to the NFL, they'll be there at the end of the year. There's no reason for the Falcons to do that. As far as I'm concerned, um, but if they were to fire Dan Quinn, I, I absolutely think Dirk Cutter would be the interim head coach because I said this when they made the hire. Like Dan Quinn and Dirk Cutter have zero history. I'm sure their paths have crossed and they've talked. Obviously, they shook hands at the end of games, you know, twice a year for however many years. But other than that, they have no work history together. It's very, it's very rare for a coordinator to get hired in a situation like Atlanta was in, where their coach is on the hot seat and literally fighting for his job. Guys like that don't usually bring in guys they don't know. They usually try to bring in guys they know because they're comfortable with them. They know they're on the same page. But Dirk Cutter coming into that situation, he's the offensive coordinator who got the best out of Matt Ryan in his career, and he's coming off of being a head coach himself from a division rival. And it's just it just didn't it didn't feel like a good situation. And he felt like a situation that was very much ran by Arthur Blank and Thomas Dimitrov, if not both. So I feel like that basically was done against Dan Quinn's will. I don't know if you really fought it, but if that makes sense. So yeah, if, if Dan Quinn were to get fired in season, I believe Dirk Cutter would be the head coach. And that would be fun to uh, have <laughs> Dirk Cutter as the head coach of the Falcons when the Bucks play them twice this year. Uh, yeah, the Falcons are one in six without having played a division game yet. Right. And I mean, I guess That's technically, wild. mathematically, they're not eliminated. And yeah, they could win nine in a row. But I mean, like Dirk Cutter, like that's the thing. Like unless you're hiring, like Dirk Cutter's been running that offense. So, I mean, making him the head coach, it's not like you're going to say, okay, now Dirk Cutter's in charge. So things will get better. No, he's been in charge of your offense, at least from, from that standpoint. The same offense that put up 10 points against the Rams defense, who's playing with a backup cornerback and a brand new cornerback who doesn't know the scheme or the language. Does Jalen Ramsey really need the scheme, though? It was, hey, go cover Julio. He's got the raw talent, to obviously, to to pick (laughs) it up. But what I'm saying is, even again, like they're missing one of their starting. Like they're playing Taylor Rapp, who I'm very high on, but he's a rookie. You know, there's no expectation for Taylor Rapp to have reached his ceiling this early. The Rams defense, we saw it when the Bucs played him, right? The Rams defense isn't what it was last year, which great defenses rarely are. It's really hard to maintain uh, an elite defense. But you got Julio, you got Ridley, and you got Sanu. Uh, Hooper's not, you know, too bad. Uh, Freeman's got some receiving ability. You got Matt Ryan. I know he got hurt, but you should be able to put up more than ten points. So that's just that's that's it's. I mean, we all witnessed it, so it's not really a surprise. We all said it when they hired him, like, "Hey, good luck." 
congratulations on your top five draft pick. But yeah, man, nasty that's going on in the dirty. This this is you know going back to kind of our our Jameis Winston discussion, and you know Jameis Jameis shoulders his fair share of the blame. But isn't it just a little ironic that Dirk Cutter goes to a high octane offense in Atlanta and through seven weeks, Matt Ryan is leading the NFL in turnovers. And let's take today, for example, Matt Ryan, 16 for 27, 159 yards. That's 5.9 yards per completion. One interception sacked five times and had a quarterback rating of 60.6. Then the backup comes in. Where have we seen that before? Six for six, 65 yards, a 10.8 yards per completion average, one touchdown, and a quarterback rating of 151.4. Now, David, where have we seen a backup quarterback come in under Dirk Cutter and outperform the starter for a portion of the game. Hmm. Fitz magic. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that happened strictly because of Dirk Cutter, but there are some parallels between how bad the Falcons are this year and how bad the Bucks were under Cutter that just can't be overlooked. That's all I'm saying. No, it's, it's stubborn repetitiveness. Like, Dirk Cutter is so convinced that he knows like that his way is going to work. They just have to stick with it. You know, it's, it's, it's the, the epitome. It's the definition of insanity, man. Like, well, maybe this time it'll work, Well, maybe this time it'll work. Maybe this time it'll work. Well, maybe this time, like the eighth time you tried it, it ain't worked yet. Maybe try something different, but he's, he's obsessed with, and he believes that he knows that it's going to eventually work. And, uh, yeah, he's been proven wrong time and time again. So I don't know. I don't know what to tell him. But, uh, when defenses know what you're going to do because you do the same thing week in, week out, all the time, every time, it's pretty easy to game plan against. And then when you don't change, I mean, go back to Atlanta last year. They, the defense said, you know, Julio Jones said on offense and defense that they made zero adjustments because the team did exactly what they did in the first half, in the second half, and they got their ass kicked in the second half, just like they did in the first half. Uh, it's, it's, you know, rinse, repeat copy paste whatever you want to call it good luck to whoever coaches that team next because there's gonna be a lot of high pressure on them because matt ryan's window of potential success is closing yeah and uh i was getting into an argument with a buddy of mine over fantasy football because any opportunity he gets Mm -hmm. to bring up oj howard Mm -hmm. he does and Mm -hmm. he uses the same gif every time but he constantly tells me how bad oj howard sucks And I explained to him, if you're talking about pure athletic talent, OJ Howard is at worst top four in the NFL. He's that athletically talented and gifted. And he starts rattling off all these tight ends that are better than OJ Howard. And I told him, buddy, you're confusing usage with talent again. It's not a coincidence that Dirk Cutter is in charge of the Atlanta Falcons offense and all of a sudden Austin Hooper or Austin Pooper is a viable tight end option for fantasy because he hasn't been that. He would have like one good game and then he would disappear again. OJ Howard is not being used. Austin Pooper is. 
And so we kept going back and forth. And finally, I I yelled at him because he was getting on my nerves. But, you know, it's just what you just said. Dirt Cutter is continuing to do the same things over and over and over again. There's a reason why under Dirt Cutter, Cameron Brait and OJ Howard, even though they were both playing in the same offense, were both viable tight end options in fantasy football week in and week out because of the usage. And yep. that's exactly what we're seeing with Austin Hooper. And he's emerging and that's great. I'm happy for him. Whatever. Keep racking up losses. I don't mm-hmm. care. But it's it's when people and I, I keep singling out my buddy, but it's not just him. It's other people that are saying the same thing that Will Disley or Mark Andrews or Austin Hooper are better tight ends than OJ Howard when that's just flat out wrong. They're yeah. not. They're just being utilized. That's the difference. If OJ Howard was getting the amount of targets per game that Austin Hooper or Mark Andrews are, good grief. He would probably lead the NFL amongst tight ends and receiving. He's just not getting the the usage. Yeah. Well, and and I would I would expect, I mean I haven't done the research on this obviously, but I would expect that Austin Hooper and uh, Will Disley, you know, before he got hurt, and those guys probably aren't being asked to stay in the block uh, nearly as much. Right. They're also not being asked to block and release nearly as much. Uh, like when a, when a tight end blocks and releases, your your route automatically requires that the quarterback has more than a normal amount of time to throw the ball because by the time you release, theoretically speaking, the quarterback is already at the top of their drop, and what you would like is you get to the top of your drop, you step forward, you throw the ball. So if you're releasing at that point and the quarterback still has the ball in his hands, then something has already gone wrong. And so, so you know, and, and that's what I see a, a good amount of. I don't have stats on their numbers or percentages, but I see that OJ is doing that a lot. And, and when they are releasing him out for, for an actual rep, again, the Bruce Arians and Byron Lefkowitz, they like to push the ball. They like to get, they like to get routes downfield. Uh, OJ is a super athletic tight end, but he's still a tight end. He's not a 4-4 dude. He's not a 4-3 dude. It's going to take him some time to lumber downfield. James doesn't have the time to wait for OJ's route to develop or for him to come free or to, for, to wait for all the traffic to clear out and, and, and all that stuff. Uh, there's, there's other ways, there's other things impacting it too, but that's just kind of part of it. And that's was the concern with when Bruce Arians came in with OJ and it, you know, we, we were told, you know, Bruce Arians said he wasn't worried. Byron left, which said he wasn't worried. We believed it and we agreed with it. We're like, yeah, we're not worried. And we've been proven wrong. <laughs> uh OJ is definitely not thriving currently in this offense, but they have a bye week. They had a bye week. It's things can change. And uh hopefully that's kind of where the rubbers and meet the road with this coaching staff because uh again, and we've written about it, we've talked about it, everybody else is writing about it and talking about it. This coaching staff came in preaching every what every Bucks fan and media person wanted to hear, which is we're going to scheme to our team's abilities not trying to force abilities into our scheme. And if that's the case, then we should see some changes and we should see some new wrinkles that we haven't seen yet. Um, as, as much as I love an aggressive defense, um, you know, specifically the, 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 the secondary is not equipped as is to support an aggressive defensive front as aggressive as Todd Bowles likes to be and as aggressive as I like a defense to be, um, which means that, he's got to try to figure out it's easier said than done. Believe me, I'm not uh, saying that it's an easy thing to do, but uh, he's got to figure out a way and, and the scenarios and the situations and where is it smarter to, to blitz versus where it's not. And that's why coaches don't get bye weeks. Like they might get to go fishing a day 
but they don't get, you know, like Shaq Barrett's been in Colorado all week. Uh, I'm sure Ryan Jensen's been in Colorado all week. Like these guys are gone. They're, they're not in Tampa. A lot of them are not in Tampa um, other than the guys who live there, obviously, but the coaches are working. You know what I mean? They're in there. I'm sure they took a day off here and there, but from my understanding, they're working and they're trying to get things done. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, next week's big. And I've, I've got high hopes, but I've also got some uh, – I'm, I'm waiting to see what happens. Yeah, and OJ's I, part of that. Hey, the Tennessee – the Ryan Tannehill-led Tennessee Titans are 1-0. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and from Twitter, he looked pretty good. And the Chargers defense, I mean, at least on paper, uh, I haven't seen any Chargers football this year because I don't need to. The Chargers defense on paper, I know they lost Derwin James, but it still looks pretty legit. So for Ryan Tannehill to come out here and, you know, uh, at least for the Titans to put up 23 points, I don't know if the Titans offense put up all those points, but, you know, they 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 at least won a game against what's considered a fairly decent defensive unit. Um, so kudos to them. We'll see what happens next week. Yeah, and uh, as far as the rest of the NFC South, not a whole lot to say about the New Orleans Saints, man. 5-0 and under Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, you... Uh, you, you professed your undying love for Teddy Bridgewater, um, the last episode. And I, I don't disagree with what you said. Um, yeah, Teddy Bridgewater has been one of my favorite quarterbacks since he came into the league. I, you know, my, my heart broke for him when he got hurt and I was thrilled to see him come back. I think Minnesota is regretting the fact that they spent all that money on Kirk cousins and didn't keep Teddy Bridgewater, but no Drew Brees. No Alvin Kamara, and you whoop up on a team that is supposed to have one of the best defenses in the NFL. Just absolutely Mm -hmm. dominate them with Teddy Bridgewater and Latavius Murray. So the only the only team that's going to stop and what (laughs) and one wide receiver. Like what what happened? One wide receiver. That's that's the funny thing. Like Ted Ginn Jr. in Tampa, if Rashad Perryman is healthy. Ted Ginn Jr. is fighting for a third job. But currently speaking, he's their second, he's their number two receiver. And they're still winning. You know what and I mean? And part of that is scheming and coaching, but also part of that is on the players. And yeah. Then they got fake Tebow out there. <laughs> fake Tebow. And don't get me wrong. I mean, listen, there, there's there's a lot of negativity out there in the air. And, and I want to make one thing very clear. And, and James, I don't know how you feel about it, but I'll I'll state my I guess, intentions, if you want to call them that. I am in no way, shape, or form saying that right now, uh, October 21st, that the Buccaneers need to move on from James Winston and go after a guy like Teddy Bridgewater. Um, and, and and Teddy Bridgewater's free, Teddy Bridgewater's free agent status, um, something that I think you and I will agree on, is completely in his hands. Like The Saints are going to want him back, and I think they'd be willing to pay him a pretty good amount to keep him, but... The, what it's going to boil down to is, is Teddy okay sitting behind Drew for at least another year, if not two, before he takes the reins? Or does Teddy want to strike while the iron is hot, uh, use his own kind of peak time as, as a young quarterback, uh, still fairly young quarterback anyway, and go out there and find a starting job? I believe, like I said, that he's going to want to find a starting gig. You believe that he'll be patient and ready and, and willing to wait behind Drew Brees. And that's, I could see either, I could see that happening as well. But, if the season were to end today, which it's not, right? But if the season were to end today, then from what we've seen from Jameis, even though the, the losing record is not completely on him, I agree. But from what we've seen from Jameis, 
I would rather them go after a quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater. But there are 10 games left. In those 10 games, like the door is not shut as far as I am concerned, as much as that matters to anybody. I'm not saying, you know, lick the envelope, mail it in, it's over. The next two out of three games are very winnable on paper. They have to win them. If the Buccaneers win two out of the next three, then I feel like we'll have some conversations to keep having, and then we'll see how the division uh, stretch goes. And then, you know, uh, the Colts, Lions, and uh, Texans sprinkled in there and all that stuff. So this is this is a long way from over. So I just I just want to make sure, because there's a lot of people out there who are saying, well, Bucks Media and some of the podcasters and stuff and writers out there are just are already done with Jameis. And I can't speak for everybody or you specifically, James, but for me, I'm not done with Jameis. What I'm saying is we have not seen the improvement, the consistent improvement, and consistency is the biggest thing we needed from him. And it's it's worrying me. And he's got about twice as many games left to undo it. But when your head coach who took the job because of you is already starting to voice doubts, it's 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 not good. Yeah, it is not ideal. Um, all right. Well, David, I know we do have one voicemail. Let's go ahead and jump over and uh, and get that taken care of. Hey, guys, it's Joe. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you guys know this stat yet, and maybe some of the other Bucks fans don't, but we are number one in the NFC for most points scored, number one. We're number four in the league behind Kansas City, Baltimore, and New England. Uh, that's pretty impressive. But we are dead last in passing defense yards allowed, dead last. We're dead last in almost every aspect when it comes to throwing the ball, besides one defense, we're number one. My question to you guys is, are these rookies in the backfield going to be better next year, do you think? Hargraves is gone. He's not here next year. He's gone. I, I don't see him being here. But do you think, what players in the backfield now do you think are going to do a Ronald Jones, a complete 180, uh, you know, just completely turn it around? See what you guys thought are on that. And Bucks fans, keep the faith. I have a good feeling. I know everybody's bummed, but I am very optimistic if we can get this defense turned around. Number one in the NFC for points scored. Bad quarterbacks don't do that. With a bad offensive line, it just doesn't happen. Go Bucks. All right. Thank you very much for the call. It's much appreciated. David, I'm going to pass this one over to you. I know you were looking up some numbers uh, pre-show uh, to to tackle the first part of Joe's voicemail. So I will uh, I will give the floor to you, good sir. Yeah, well, and, and Joe, I, I did know that stat. Uh, I don't know how many people out there knew that stat. Researching something I was writing, I don't remember what it was, and I stumbled upon that. Uh, specifically, and I'm not sure if I included it in what I wrote or not, to be honest with you. But yes, I was aware of that. However, it's it's a cumulative stat versus week to week performance uh, measure, and and that's that's where you know uh, stat scouting is always dangerous. And don't get me wrong, there there's definitely some praise to be given for that because it's you can't do that just you know on a whim or whatever. Like it, it it does take some some success and some ability to do that. But here's the problem with that stat. New England Patriots, Baltimore Ravens, Kansas City Chiefs, who all average uh, more points than the Zambay Buccaneers do right now, right? And they're all obviously AFC teams because the Bucs lead the NFC in points per game. Uh, and then you have the Carolina Panthers, Seattle Seahawks, Minnesota Vikings um, coming in right behind Tampa. And 
bottom line is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are averaging 28.8 points uh, per game. And I can tell you they've scored less than their average for this season four times. They've scored fewer than 28.8 points. So fewer than 28 points four times this year, which means that those other two games were high enough to not only boost their average up to where it's top four, top five in the NFL, but also to the point where it took them over their majority uh, point output, if that if that makes any sense. Like, yes, their average is 28.8 points, but they're not scoring 28 points a game. They're scoring less than 28 points a game more than they're scoring more than 28 points per game. And uh, in the National Football League, like points, you know, uh, let's see what's so middle is 16 is 16th in the NFL, right? So the Arizona Cardinals currently sit 16th in the NFL in scoring and they're scoring 23. So if you're sitting at 28.8 and the middle of the pack is sitting at 23, yeah, you're, you're top in the NFC, but there's a five point difference. There's a five point spread. That's let's, that's, that's less than one score. So we're talking a one score difference between middle of the pack and top of the pack right now in the NFL. And that's that's the thing. Like NFL coaches will tell you all the time, there you can point to four or five plays that lead to a team winning or losing games. Well, you can point to two games. Uh, most specifically, I'm looking at Los Angeles, 55 points when your average is 28.8, and you have a 55 point output with six games on the on the record, and you have four games scoring less than 28 points. You know what I mean? Like those aren't those aren't consistent numbers. Um, so you have to, so that's where you have to. It's it's the difference between averaging and, and, and uh, I guess, like the mean of performance. You know what I mean? Like, basically, the, the way I kind of look at it is this team has like two A's on their report card, but they got a whole lot of C's. And those C's are not going to make them valedictorians of the league, even though you look at those two A's and they might have, uh, you know, more A's than, than some of these other guys. But then you have the other, these other teams who have a whole lot of B's and their GPA is going to be better because of it. Um, I don't know. I don't know another way to explain it. But yes, Joe, like I was aware of that stat. I'm not sure how many other people are aware of that stat. And listen, um, James, do you think Jameis Winston is a bad quarterback? Bad? No, no. no. And we saw we saw bad with Andy Dalton having three three consecutive passes intercepted today. No. Sunday. And, and, Sorry. And I don't think Jameis Winston is a bad quarterback. What I think Jameis Winston is, and James, I think you agree with me, is an inconsistent quarterback. Very and much so. And we had this conversation in the Bucks Nation group chat uh, over the weekend or, or, or during the week at some point in time. The Carolina Pan- or the wow, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have played six games. Two of the six, you can point losses directly to Jameis Winston's performance. Now, I got it. The offensive line was banged up in London, and, and I understand that. However, there are some things that as a quarterback you just can't do. James said it himself. He he got up there and maybe it's quarterback speak. I don't know. But the bottom line is no matter what circumstance you're in, there are certain things you cannot do. And he did some of those things. Whether the intention behind it is positive or not, he still did them. Um, San Francisco, same thing. There are certain things you can't do. And I know that not all that stuff was on him. But you have to understand these, these things happen. And they happen too many times. Two times out of six is too much. You, you can't have that ratio. Um, if this team makes it to the playoffs, and this is what I was talking about from the Bucks Nation group chat, if this team makes it to the playoffs with Jameis Winston as quarterback with the current way that he's playing, do you have any belief that he can play four games without having one of those games that sends him home? Absolutely not. So if you don't, and if, I, you know, I, I don't know what Joe thinks, if you guys out there don't believe that Jameis Winston, Winston can go four games with increased pressure, with increased repercussions, with increased 
amounts of, you know, whatever on the line, then you can't win a championship with them. Maybe three. Like, do you believe you can do three? But in order to get to where you only need three postseason wins, you got to string together more than two out of six or more than four out of six to where you're going to do well. Because if you're doing that, you're talking about a ratio of six games a season. Six games. He's on pace to have six games a season where he throws or he has three or more turnovers. You can't have that as a starting quarter. I don't care who your offensive line is. I don't care, you know, what who your running back is. I don't care what running back is being used. I don't care who your wide receiver. You can't throw three or more interceptions in a game six times a year in a season and expect to be in the postseason. And that quarterback, if they make it to the postseason, isn't going to run the table. It's just not going to happen. Uh, I mean, I guess it could happen. Rudy happened, so I guess it could happen. But um, that's kind of where it comes from, Joe. Um, so, like I said earlier, he's at 10 more games. Let's let's see if he can do it. All right. And uh, as far as uh, uh, as my candidate, my, my Rojo candidate for the 2020 season, I've been stewing on this while you've been talking, David. And it, I honestly don't know if I have one because I don't think that there's too many players on the team that if they have a year like Rojo had last year and they're having that this year, that they're going to be back. I don't think I don't think this coaching staff is going to put up with that. Uh, I could be wrong, but I guess by by process of elimination, I'm going to say, um, well, it has to be Sean Murphy Bunting. I mean, it has to be Sean Murphy Bunting. Like Rojo's a second round draft pick, having a, a who had an extremely disappointing rookie season, comes back this year and looks a lot better, even though his usage rate still isn't where everybody wants it to be. Sean Murphy Bunting is a second round draft pick who, so far, his rookie season is an absolute disaster. I wrote as much in my bi week rookie recap. Um, it's it's an absolute disaster. So he's because he's the only one, right? I mean, Mike Edwards is a third round draft pick. Like yeah, but as, I'm, a, as a starting safety, third round draft pick, really underperforming. He's a third round draft pick for a reason. I'm not even taking their draft position into account. I'm just trying to think of somebody that. I mean, yeah, I guess you're right. If we're gonna if we're gonna draw as close of a parallel as possible, it has to be Sean Murphy Bunting because I was just trying to think of guys that I believe are struggling this year that have the the talent or the ability to bounce back and have a better year next year. Um, one of the players that crossed my mind was Brashad Perryman. So far, he's been somewhat disappointing. Mm. But I think injury plays into that a lot. He's had some opportunities where he's made some great catches and saved some drives and kept some drives going, but he's also had some crucial drops. I believe Brashad Perryman is better than that, but I don't know if he'll be here next year. He's on a one-year deal. Yeah. So I think by process of elimination, yeah, you're 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 probably right. It it has to be Murphy Bunting. I mean, when I look at when I look at the situation, right? When I when I hear the question in reference to Rojo, I think draft picks. That's just automatically where my brain goes. And Devin White, uh, sick against San Francisco, injured in the first quarter against Carolina, comes back. Uh, yes, I understand he was active against New Orleans, didn't play. I'm not gonna hold that against him. That's a coach's decision, so I'm not gonna hold that against him. Uh, and then he leads the team in tackles in London. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's it's been an, an unfortunate start to his career. Got it. But not because he's performing less. You know what I mean? And then you have Sean Murphy Bunting. And then you have Jamel Dean, who, again, is playing very limited due to injuries and, and all that stuff. 
but what we've seen, he looks like a very solid third round draft pick, if not better, you know, like a potential to be a Chris Godwin type who outplays his draft position. Mike Edwards is a, again, a safety starting on an NFL defense from a th- after being a third round draft pick. Like that's, he's playing how you would expect a third round draft. Like you don't, ex- you don't draft a safety in the third round saying that's our starter. Like I, I would be willing to bet that, that Bruce Arians mm-hmm. and Todd Bowles said, hopefully we get Justin Evans back to start because then Mike Edwards would be a really solid backup. Um, but he's been thrust in the starting position. I think as a third round draft pick, he's done a pretty good job. So you have Anthony Nelson, who is a you know uh, mid to late round, like a developmental round draft pick. Like you're expecting to develop this guy. He's made a couple plays. He's had some tackles. He's active. He's sticking on the special teams. He's doing exactly what you expect him to do. Uh, Matt Gay is has two field goal misses and two extra point kicks uh, missed. Granted, his field goal miss was a hugely terrible miss. Um, and that's the other thing, too, actually. Uh, I want to shout out to somebody. I can't remember who it was, but it was either in the comment section of Bucks Nation or on Twitter. I know we're already way over time. Somebody pointed out that if Matt Gay makes that kick, this team's 3-3. Three and three. And if, these, yep. if this team is 3-3, three and three, even after the Carolina Panthers debacle, what's the narrative? They uh, went into the bye at 3-3, three and three, which a lot <laughs> of us kind of predicted would yeah. happen I mean, I before the season started. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, that's a very solid point. Like, I'll give it to that. Whoever it was, whoever you are out there, individual, hat tip to you, brother. Because you're 100 percent correct. If this team wins against New York and still has the debacle they had in Carolina, I feel like the the narrative is is very different. Honestly, I do. I really, I do. I still think you're. We're talking about because we have a long time to stew on things. So I still think we're talking about the fact that James had two really bad outings in six tries, but he hasn't cost the team or or helped lead the team to a losing record, so on and so forth. So it, it might be a little bit different. But yeah, man. I mean. That was a very valid point that I saw today, and I thought it was kind of funny because, again, it's one of those alternate dimensions that we're never going to live in, uh, but I, but you can see it. Like, it's close enough. It's it's a close enough parallel to our current one that you can almost reach out and touch it and say, man, we were almost there. Uh, but anyway, moving forward. Uh, yeah, and then, I mean, you have you have your other guys out there, like, you know, I don't know, Zach Bailey and those guys, like undrafted free agents. How, you can't be disappointed on draft free agents. No, no, you so look for the diamond in the rough, and, and yeah, so if you get lucky, you get lucky. Right, so if you're if you're if you're – disappointed in a third round draft pick who is starting in an extremely aggressive defense. I would, I would venture to say that you had too high of expectations for that third round draft pick. Um, like the, I kind of, I kind of equate what Mike Edwards is going through right now to like, if Chris Godwin were thrust into the number one role in his rookie season out of Penn state. And as much as I love Chris Godwin and think he's super stud and super talented and, and all that stuff, if he were the number one receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in his rookie season, it would not have gone well for anyone. Remember, Chris Godwin had one touchdown catch in his rookie year, and it came in week 17. In um, garbage time. In garbage time. To, or no, 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 I'm sorry. Well, it, it, wasn't, time. it was a game winner. It was a game winner. That's right. Team who didn't care if they won or lost. Like, right. They cared if they won because Sean Payton's an egomaniac, so he wants to win, especially division matches. But in the grand scheme of things, like when they got the ball back with some time on the clock, they didn't try to go down the field and score again. They knelt on it and they they just killed the clock and just walked out with uh, healthy for the playoffs while the Buccaneers went home. So again, so if, if Chris Godwin's a third round draft pick coming out of Penn State when he gets drafted is thrust into the number one uh, receiver position, that's not going to go well. Mike Edwards, same thing. He's a third round draft pick, thrust in the starting position because of Justin Evans' injury. Uh, I think he's doing about as well as you expect um, in in that role. The people that I feel like are underplaying are guys like uh, Vernon Hargraves, Carlton Davis, especially with his penalties. Um, so on and so forth. There's some other guys out there too. Uh, but yeah, as far as draft picks are concerned, it's got to be Sean Murphy Bunting. He's the only one I'm disappointed in. 
All right. And with that, David, we are going to wrap it up. So please make sure you're checking out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you're sending in your voicemails to 813-444-5841. Follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Hope you all have an absolutely magnificent Monday, and thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks. It's like-